I'm not a big fan of a lot of songwriters in Sri Lanka. That might be such a such a big thing to say, but I'm not. And I think a lot of people don't pay attention to like people try to be really deep, really metaphorical. Like I don't think that's really necessary. Like I think the lyrics that hit you best are the ones that are very plain spoken and just easily put, just like you and I would converse, right? So I feel like for songwriting to happen, life has to happen, right? Like you have to go through shit, and like then you have things to write about. Hipshi, thank you so much for joining us on the ninth episode of the Entrepreneur Vibe podcast. Uh, you are one of the most streamed artists who are like Sri Lankan born. You actually have three point three one million uh, streams on Spotify alone. Yeah. Um, you are the producer of "Yours Truly," uh, "Missing You," and "Cold Beer," which are international hits. And also, you're one half of the uh, music duo, which is uh, Middle Class Rich Kids, which alone has one point six million uh, streams on Spotify. Yeah. So, Hipshi, let's get straight into it. Um, internationally, artists make money primarily through uh, live concerts. However, in Sri Lanka, we don't necessarily have uh, this whole live concert scene, especially for artists who make music in English. Yeah. So, what are the primary sources of uh, income for artists, and how do they monetize uh, their work of art? Right. Um, there's a few different ways to do it. Um, live performances are still really important, and that shouldn't be forgotten. And I do think like there are. There is a live sort of band scene in Sri Lanka. You're very much aware, but it's yeah. not. It's not in the um, the concert level, I would say. But um, I think the Sinhala music has somewhat cracked that scene a little bit. I do know artists come together and throw concerts and whatnot, and that is great. But it's difficult to do that with English music in Sri Lanka because you can't pull the numbers in terms of a live audience. Um, so I would say. But the thing is this, right? That problem still extends into monetization as well, because again, you're dealing with a very small number of English music listeners. So even in terms of what you can pull through YouTube or Spotify, it's still a pretty small number. Mm. But I would say the realization is that, um, at least for me, the realization has been the fact that when you make English music, you're not making it for Sri Lankans alone. You have a world of English-speaking people, and you have a world of English music consumers. So you, you just have to figure out ways to get your music out there into the world, mm. and not just look at it as a Sri Lankan as, as a regional thing, you know. And the moment you start doing that, you can hit bigger numbers, and that's when you start making something of a revenue out of doing this. Right uh, now, if you look look at producing music, that alone it's a very difficult thing. I yeah. don't know if only if you produce music do you realize how much effort goes into it. Yeah. But then promoting that music is a whole different ball game. Now, as someone who has done both, which is harder? Is it producing or promoting? At least at a personal level. Okay, I think they both come with their challenges. Obviously, um, producing music is a craft that takes a lot of like you. You need to just like anything creative that you do, whether it's design, filmmaking, whatever. Like I'm a big believer of the ten thousand hour rule. Mm -hmm. You need to put the time into it, and then you become that good at it. Um, so with production, it's a matter of mastering your craft, and that takes time and all of that. But I would say if you don't have a good enough production if you don't have good enough music promoting it is going to become hard yeah. so first of all you need to learn how to do the production bit really well make sure that you're putting out music that is just 110% in terms of quality um, and then you look into how you can promote it and then that's a whole other ball game like you said that that comes with its own challenges but they are both definitely equally important and equally difficult yeah 
Now, back in the days in music, there was a lot of record label dominance. Yeah. You know, you had to be attached to a record label in order to make a name for yourself. But over the last couple of years, there have been a lot of independent artists who come out there and really made a name for themselves, right? Yeah. So like, however, there still is an element of record label dominance. What are your thoughts on it? How much of a dominance do they have compared to what it used to be before? Definitely much less. Um, I think anytime an artist, and there are enough Sri Lankan artists that can sort of attest to this, but I think even if you look at the Costas to the Irajas, like yeah. they've pretty much built their online presence. And at that point, your your own media, you don't need the machine behind you. You can just release music and it goes straight to your fans, right? So that's a great sort of position to be in. The bargaining power you have at that level is unheard of. Um, but there is definitely an advantage to having a record label on your side. I suppose when you reach a certain status, um, it record labels can open more doors for you in terms of how you can reach more regions, more territories, whatnot. Um, so it's always great. Um, but I also think in terms of being smaller artists like myself, I would say, it's still great because I work with a lot of independent labels um, in Europe or uh, US or um, UK and whatnot. And these guys are in a position to get your music heard better on Spotify. For example, the, 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 one of the things is that we don't have Spotify in Sri Lanka yet. It's going to be here soon. Mm. Um, but over the years, the way I've been releasing music, Spotify hasn't even been in our territory. But the reason I'm able to do the kind of numbers I do is because I partner with labels outside of Sri Lanka and they have their playlist network and whatnot. And that sort of puts them in a position to get my music heard in different regions. So there is definitely an advantage to having a label on your side, I would say even as a smaller artist. Um, but definitely there are enough artists who are doing it independently and killing it. Right. So when you say you're attached to international record label, independent record labels, like yeah. you said, um, do you get onto these deals on a track by track basis or is, it, is there like a fixed term for which you're committed towards that uh, record label? Um, works both ways. Right. So when I used to make music as Hibshi, that was when I was still sort of learning the game, um, I used to sign songs on a song by song basis, right? Like I'd make one song if I'm happy about it, I would try to pitch it to labels. And it's really difficult when you're coming from Sri Lanka because you don't have direct access to a lot of these guys. You have to do your research, find the right contacts, whatever, and sort of be able to reach these people. And the music you send them has to be on point because they are dealing with an international quality of music. So if you send them a product that is half-baked, they're not going to take the time to even reply to your email. So um, uh, so, like, I used to do it on a song-by-song -song basis, but I'd say with middle-class rich kids, at that point, um, I had spent some time learning the game. So, when I started approaching, when we started approaching labels as middle-class rich kids, we went to them with a body of work. Like, here's nine songs. How can we work this out? So, that put us in a better position in the sense, um, from that point onwards, the label just took care of releasing our music, and we could just be creatives and artists and just work on the part of the music business that we wanted to work in, creating music. Mm. Uh, so you were talking about how you can't approach record labels with half-baked products. And I have listened to some of your previous interviews in which you said that you, you are a guy who's, uh, who gives prominence to quality over quantity. Yeah. And you're very specific with the type of music or the final product that comes yeah. out there. So can you take us through that process of... Because, you know, there's this very famous saying where, you know, it takes... 95% to make a song, that's 95% of it. But the last 5% of the song is probably the hardest in terms of fine-tuning it to, you know, sound really crisp and beautiful. Mm. Can you take us through that process? I actually disagree with that. Like, I've heard that. Like, mm -hmm. a lot of people give prominence to mixing and mastering. Mixing is really important. A lot of people give prominence to mastering, mm. which is also important. 
But I would say if your initial parts of your music creation pro process, which is songwriting and production, if you don't nail those two parts, your end product is not going to be, no matter, you can give it to the best mastering engineer in the world, but he's working with what you gave him. Yeah. And if your production isn't what it's supposed to be, then he can't do his job as well as he could if you gave him a solid production. Um, so I, in terms of a process, I think, I mean, even before this, even before we started, I think I was telling you, like, I can't really go back and listen to the music I made in 2014, 15, because that was me still, you know, like, I don't know. Figuring it out. Figuring it out, like, like greatly, you know. Um, I think in 2017 was when I sort of came to that point where when I made the song Yours Truly was when I got to a point where I'm like, okay, I'm happy with the sound now. And I think 2017 onwards, I would say maybe 2018 onwards, I got to a place where I'm not so worried about what I'm doing. Like I know what I'm doing now in terms of production and I, to some extent even in terms of songwriting and song creation. Um, so I'd say it's really important to pay attention to those things. Like I'm not a big fan of a lot of songwriters in Sri Lanka. That might be such a, such a big thing to say, but I'm not. And I think a lot of people don't pay attention to, like people try to be really deep, really metaphorical. Like I don't think that's really necessary. Like I think the lyrics that hit you best are the ones that are very plain spoken and just easily put, just like you and I would converse, yeah. right? Um, Things that people can relate to as well. Relate as to, as definitely, as yeah. yeah. Um, so I think that's important in terms of songwriting. And then even in terms of production, that's, that's the whole other, you need to put your time in and learn how to do it. But I would say the mixing, the mixing is also a really important part of it. But then I would say the, the last 5% uh, that you touched on, I'd say that comes a lot easier once you've learned how to do the 95% well. Mm, understood. Yeah. Um, would it be fair if I call you a perfectionist? Because that's, that's the vibe that I get uh, at least. You could say that. Like, yeah. I, I would never put it that way. Yeah. But yeah. So then how, how do you like find that balance between creating this perfect <laughs> product, but at the same time being able to re like release things on time and still being kind of happy with what you're doing, no matter yeah. how good it, it is to others, you're sometimes not happy yourself. So I know, I know. how do you find that balance? I know exactly what you mean, but I'd say I didn't have that pre-2018, which is what I was getting at before. It's um, the time I put in, I would say from 2014 to 2018, is what has sort of allowed me to now be in a position where I'm just casually making music. Mm. And I'm not worried, stressing too much about, is this perfect, is that perfect? Like my years, I've tuned my years well enough to know like what works. So. It's a lot easier. So it comes with experience. It does, definitely. Yeah. So now you are attached to these international record labels. It obviously helps you in promoting your music. Yeah. But apart from that, or maybe in addition to that, how do you reach out to the international market to promote your music? Because like you said, you make most of your music in English. Yeah. And we have a relatively smaller crowd in Sri Lanka to promote that music. Too. So how do you reach out to the international market to promote it? I've been, I think, a little blessed in that sense because of the labels and the contacts that I've been able to build over the last few years. So honestly, I'm not stressing too much about like, how can I reach more German listeners or French listeners or whatever. It's just that these labels have big playlists that work well in different regions. Some of them have huge YouTube channels with like 3 million subscribers, 4 million subscribers. So for me, it's about giving them a good enough song that they're happy to put on their platforms and then it reaches the people. So I've sort of been blessed in that sense. Yeah. Now there are trends in general, now there are trends and there are fads as well. You know, yeah. music is about taste and personality and what we like. Now trends keep changing though. Yeah. Uh, so how do you as an artist, uh, you have your preferences obviously, but at the same time, try to stay relevant to what is the taste out there in the in the market? Because yeah. right now we have alternative music becoming a thing with Billie Eilish and Suburban putting yeah. out their songs. Um, but like you're more into pop and you know pop electronic, slash yeah. electronic, right? So like, what are your thoughts on 
you know you trying to stay hot mm. uh, fresh if you if you yeah. if i can put it that way see i think that's also the thing like i think authenticity is really important and people see through it if you're not being that um just because something is hot and you try to jump on it you might it might not come naturally to you and therefore you're just putting out a product where you're just trying to be something and it's in my opinion it might not always work um to me i'm not really i do listen to a lot of music and that's important in terms of staying relevant in terms of knowing what's out there right now so spotify has a new music friday every every week so i'm always on it i'm listening to what's out there i'm listening to what's new um even in terms of like independent promoters i work with i'm listening to what's coming out from their labels and what not so that helps me sort of stay in touch with what's fresh um but i'm not really trying to mm. live up to any genre or style or trend so you're, you're staying uh, staying authentic to yeah. what you love i wouldn't enjoy it if i was just yeah. trying to do you're not trying to be someone else you know yeah. uh now you were speaking a bit about uh, actually a lot about spotify mm. uh speaking of spotify it's a, it's a digital streaming uh, platform uh artists like Kendrick Lamar and Post Malone really made it big uh through digital platforms right yeah. how has digital streaming uh changed the landscape of music in general i don't think music is ever going to be the same thanks yeah. to streaming platforms i mean um all of us sort of i imagine if you were a 90s kid you grew up listening to cassettes yeah yeah, sure. yeah. and then eventually see my dad used to play Jim Reeves and Uh, Elvis Presley growing yeah. up and, and I had yeah. all like the low I had the Ronnie Duke cassettes I had the yeah, yeah, cassettes yeah, I had all of it right like gold yeah, yeah. and including a little difficult to admit but the Backstreet Boy cassettes oh. and like you know <laughs> um okay um but anyway um yeah so you grow up sort of listening to music on cassettes and then CDs and what not but I think it also put artists in a very difficult position at one point because suddenly people aren't really buying their CDs and their cassettes and at one point that was a huge stream of revenue and now it's gotten to a place where music is technically free like anyone can just jump on YouTube and Spotify and listen sort of just listen to it um i think in a way it has changed the game for the better because all of us can now just create our distribution network and just be able to just put music out there for listeners in that sense it's great but streaming has also made it difficult uh from an earning point of view i yeah. guess like i do think like a lot of streaming um platforms don't pay artists what they maybe should but it's also difficult you have to, it's a, it's a, it's a very it's a, it's a big conversation but um i'm definitely pro streaming like i definitely think like you said it's done a lot for a lot of artists so it's 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 important and it's yeah. good so that you kind of touched what i was going to ask you next which is on how these streaming uh, services distribute the the earnings right. right which is relatively very small they only pay a fraction of what they actually get from a stream right. uh, now we have several platforms itunes to spotify to deezer to youtube to everything right um like like and we have all these uh, major artists from taylor swift to everyone sometimes pulling off some of these platforms because of um, you know some of the agreements that they have with uh, yeah. with these uh, streaming services Uh, do you think they might relook their policies on how they how they you know uh you know um, compensate their artists because it's becoming a very competitive uh, landscape as well yeah. so if if as a streaming platform you are not uh, remunerating your artists properly there is a chance that the artists might pull off altogether yeah but then there is a the question of where are you going to go where like you, you go, have right. to be on one streaming platform or the other correct um honestly the numbers have become even smaller like uh as somebody who used to earn off of Spotify and Apple Music like I I I've noticed that it's not even what it used to be 2 years ago it's really? even less it's than reducing it's reduced okay. yeah even this year 
So it's challenging, but um, I hope they do something about it. I do know that there are a lot of like um, music figures in the international scene who have not just artists, but label heads to um, uh, ma music managers to whatnot. Everyone talks, even like the behind the scenes producers to songwriters who are a huge part of this mix. Like people see the artists, but then the producers and the songwriters Absolutely. have to get compensated too. Absolutely. So there is a big conversation that is going on like all over the world right now that which is along the lines of what you touched. I don't know enough about it to really give you much value in that sense, but I do hope things change for the better. Right. Um, let's speak a bit about the Sri Lankan music industry. Where do you see, uh, what are your opinions on where the current state of the, or rather where is the Sri Lankan music industry right now? Um, I actually think it's in a really great place um, in terms of, I do think a lot of our local artists have really caught on to how to put out their music on YouTube mm -hmm. and everyone's doing the YouTube game really well. Um, people like Costa have really grown their Spotify presence and the Apple Music presence, so that's like really impressive. Yeah. Um, uh, I do think it's in a really good place in terms of, just before this we were talking about the Masterdees and the Costas, which, which are like the, the new sort of rap hip-hop sound in Sri Lanka, which I think is phenomenal. So I think Absolutely. it's in a really good place. Even in terms of like pop music, I, Sri Lankan pop music, I guess, I don't know if these artists would like to be classified as Sri Lankan pop per se, but from the Sanukas to the Yohanis, I think they're all doing, putting out quality music and it's it's cool. It's not what it used to be. I, yeah. I'm a fan of where things are right now. Yeah, because there was a time, unless I'm mistaken, when I was a kid, when yeah. uh, there was a lot of complaint that Sri Lankan artists used to sometimes rip off Indian uh, artists. But I that's not that, the case anymore, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. I think that there's still an happens. overall exposure to yeah. the entire world. I think that still happens. happens okay. Maybe you and I aren't listening to those artists. Oh, really? Okay. But if you were going through the YouTube trending list, trending list every now right, and then, right, you might right. catch on a song that has right. a... That's a good pulse check, I guess. Yeah. So do you check the trending list? Every now and then. Not right. not necessarily, but I might catch myself on, on it once in a mm. while and I'll click on something and sometimes you can tell it's like the melody of like a Hindi song mm. or a Tamil song and it ticks me off. <laughs> That's not, yeah, 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 why would you do that? But yeah. Yeah, As an not, artist, I guess it pisses you off to yeah, see, it's uh, not, yeah, why, why, uh, you know, yeah. an original work being ripped off. Yeah. So we were speaking about the trending list and some of the uh, content that comes up on the trending list, ah, sometimes nudity, you know. Let's speak a bit yeah. about nudity in music. Do you think you need to, you know, put or rather use nudity in order to become big in, uh, in music, in this country at least? Uh, not in that sense. I don't think it's necessary. But can artists do it? Yes. Is there anything wrong with it? Not in my opinion, if it's done tastefully. Mm. Um, there are artists around the world who I'm a big fan of who have pretty sensual like, music videos. There's nothing wrong with it. It's done nicely. In Sri Lanka, that's not always the case. It's not done very tastefully. That is a problem. Um, but like... While we're on the subject, like one of my favorite artists, for example, is this artist called Black Bear, right? Mm -hmm. And two years ago, he had um, an album called Cybersex. And one of the singles on it was the music video. He released it exclusively on Pornhub. Like oh, on really? YouTube, he dropped the music video on Pornhub, mm -hmm. which is like a ballsy move, right? Yeah. Um, so like I never got around to watching it, but I'm sure maybe it was explicit to some level. And I still know that dude's music has so much substance and emotion. It's great music, right? So just because somebody uses nudity, it doesn't mean it's wrong or the music is bad. As long as it's done tastefully, I think it's fine. What is porn happening? Uh, <laughs> can okay. I, do we have I'll a laptop? Probably probably later. <laughs> Check it for myself. Yeah, it's, um, it's nice. Do you produce music for others? Like, I mean, you have a very hectic schedule, but... I do, do actually. That's a big part of what I do. Um, 
there have been like a handful of like Lankan artists that I've um, produced or written for on some level. Um, mm -hmm. Romaine Willis is yeah, somebody yeah. I... She's, she's pretty big now. Pretty right? great, yeah. Um, so I'm working on some, some of her music right now. I've produced for a couple of songs for Iraj over the last couple of years. Um, Delvin, a much smaller artist, but like I've done some music for him. Um, so yeah, the, I, I do take on projects for other artists. What are your thoughts on ghost producing? Does, is that something that still happens? or? It definitely happens. Um, in Sri Lanka, maybe not so much, but I know it happens around the world. Um, again, I think as long as the uh, the producer is compensated and he's happy doing it, then there's nothing wrong yeah, with it. Nothing just, yeah. It's a free world. Yeah. <laughs> Let's speak a bit about uh, creative blocks as an artist, right? Sure. Not only as an artist, but like in general, we sometimes feel like either we don't feel like doing it or uh, we feel like, you know, there's something wrong, like there's a resistance or yeah. the original ideas aren't coming to you. Um, have you ever felt it as in your career and how do you overcome uh, it when you have those uh, moments? Um, okay, the way I make music is a lot of our songs might start with songwriting, right? So there might be something I want to write about or my partner might have a story. Like it's like a lot of my favorite artists talk about songwriting as even like a therapy session. Like they'll all talk very freely about what, what's going on in their lives and they'll write a song about it, right? Um, that's kind of how a lot of songs with us start too. Like I might write something and then we'll get together and produce it. Um, so I feel like for songwriting to happen, life has to happen, right? Like you have to go through shit and like then you have things to write about. Um, so I think that's important. Um, I think that's the way to overcome the block as well because you need to put yourself through things that you want to write about, right? You just need to go out there and live a little bit. Um, in terms of middle class rich kids, for example, we spent a good six months producing maybe enough music for the whole of 2020 and maybe half of 2021. Okay. Um, we produced a lot of music and by the end of it, I think by September, we sort of took a break for, for various reasons. But since then, I think up until December, I don't know if it was a block, but I just didn't feel like working on anything because I had worked so hard for, a, for, for quite a while, right? So I needed to put myself on a break, but then I noticed by December, like I was also just, I was traveling a little bit. I was out there a little bit. I met people, went out. So um, by December, I had a few things I wanted to write about and now I'm feeling a lot more creative than I was. Okay. So I think breaks are important too. Yeah. Like when you feel yourself hitting a plateau, just if you can afford it, take a couple months off because you might have so much more that you, you'll just be filled with inspiration at some point. Right. So I was going to ask you about originality and you know, how do you come up with original music in general? Because it's right. not easy at all. You know, you have to like you have to draw inspiration from different points of your life, but at the yeah. same time produce something that was not there at all. Yeah. So what is your creative process in general? How do you come up with new music? Yeah, taking breaks and traveling is one, but yeah. what else do you do? Um, I think two different ways work for me essentially. Um, one is like I said, starting with songwriting. And that is thinking about what stories you want to tell and how you want to tell it and starting with the melodies and the lyrics and whatnot. And that is one way to go about it. The second, I would say this applies to a lot of producers, um, including my partner Shenik and myself sometimes, where we'll just sit on our production software and hunt through for interesting sounds or whatever, and that could spark an idea. So um, I think those are the two essential ways that I start working on original music. Like I'll either start with songwriting or I'll start by hunting for sounds or something interesting sonically. Um, so from there on, 
whatever happens happens yeah you were speaking about songwriting uh, everybody knows you as a producer yeah. but i think the fact that you're a songwriter is a relatively lesser known fact yeah. uh, however your song when you listen to it the lyrics are quite emotional and poetic mm-hmm. uh, uh, sometimes too poetic <laughs> no but i love it but where do you draw your inspiration from uh, and like what are some of the maybe the life uh, not personally but like where have you drawn that inspiration from um it's honestly man it's just like things that we all go through like it's it could be relationship stuff friends friendship mm. stuff it could be anything man it could be feeling like you're stuck in a dead end job it could be anything but like at some point you'll find yourself just wanting to if you're a songwriter and if you've been doing it long enough i suppose you'll identify things you want to write about and how you can tell those stories and it just um i'm not um i think the only thing i'm like i'm not never trying to be poetic like i don't even consider right. my lyrics to be very poetic or whatever like i'm honestly trying to keep it very plain spoken very visual is something i try to go for i think uh, lyrics need to be able to put you in a place or time like the way you talk about the room you're in the color of the t-shirt you're wearing like all of those details yeah. are, i think what makes a great song um so it's just that it's just me yeah. thinking about like things that i've gone through been through whatever and how i want to write about it so let's speak a bit about simplicity in lyrics right so some people like in the in the music scene think that it's important to like you know, make yeah. it a bit sound a bit complicated and put metaphors there yeah. instead of speaking plainly yeah. uh, what are your thoughts on lyrics being should lyrics be simple and to the point so that the common man understands it or should it be layered so that you know you allow the listener to form his own interpretation of uh, what it means i think it works both ways i know there are musicians m- maybe not so much in pop music but in more a uh, rock or metal music where the, i feel like the lyrics are a lot more complex yeah. and i do know that there are listeners who like that and who like to be able to sort of uh dissect lyrics and sort of understand it um personally i've never been a fan of that type of songwriting to me like i mentioned a couple of times it's very important to just keep it simple as you said and just sort of talk about things the way they are um and my some of my favorite songwriters have always done it like that um and Sheeran for example if you look yeah. his, it's never complex you know like a song like A team if at all might be the only one which is a bit um sort of not spoken so plainly but a lot of it is very just plainly put not to say that there aren't complex thoughts in there every now and then but for the most part it's just very simple do you think that's the reason why they do so well as well if you look at your songs all yeah. of them are hits and the reason for that is cuz people can relate to what you're saying instead of you trying to talk about some very serious concepts which people sometimes can't relate to what are your thoughts on that could be i think it's a number of things that come together to make a great song it's yeah. never just the song yeah, right neither like, yeah. does that contribute to i would like to think so like i don't yeah. have the none of us can really measure it and tell yeah. you like this is what's working but i suppose as musical listeners you and i can always tell like that probably does contribute Absolutely. to yeah i would agree yeah. um so let's speak a bit about middle class rich kids uh your partner senith yeah. right senith senith sorry my bad he is also part of high school junkies also making right. a name for themselves here yeah. so how has that experience been what was the inspiration behind putting up middle class rich kids and uh, how has that ex- uh, like journey been so far right um i think um so i was making music as hibshi for a while and when i started i really didn't know what i was doing and at some point some of the music started working and sort of taking off um but it also occurred to me i think in maybe 2019 or so that I didn't totally have a plan I was just I had just been winging it the whole time uh so middle class rich kids was more me trying to create a brand per se than just put out music for the sake of putting it out right 
with middle class rich kids, there's a very specific sound, there's a very specific songwriting style, there's a very specific artistry in terms of uh, photography, like whatnot. So it was a very like thought out kind of project. Um, and I wanted somebody who could, like, it's not easy to find a music partner, like, especially for somebody like me, I'm very opinionated and specific, I like, yeah. yeah, very specific about how I like things. So I knew kind of where my weak points might be, like, um, it's different now, but I always used to consider myself not the best, like, drum programmer, mm. or not the best at creating drums and bass and whatnot. And I was looking for somebody who could fill out those spaces, and Shenik, like, worked really well in that sense. So, like, I feel like I bring the more melodic, emotional elements to the song, and he brings the more rhythmic, energetic elements to the song, and that kind of creates what middle class, the, what the middle class rich kids sound has been. Right. Uh, so it's been it's been awesome. So one challenge uh, musicians face when they work together with other musicians or as a band uh, is creative differences, mm. uh, because sometimes egos come into play because mm. they've Absolutely. been doing it for you know quite a long time yeah. on their own. So how do you settle? Uh, your creative differences is it like a matter of compromise or is it like how do you create like that balance? It's definitely you have to compromise where you have to but it's also important to work with people who are to some extent at the same wavelength as you and I think Shani can I really have that and I think that's why that partnership works there is very little friction honestly like right. which is which is impressive I would say like it's really hard to have a partner or a band member and not have friction because you're both it's all like music comes from a very honest place and you want things your way the other person wants things their way and um, we have very little of that going on like a lot of the times we know exactly what we're trying to create and I think the best way to settle creative differences is not to take it personally but to look at it in terms of what's best for the song mm. I believe that no matter how many people are in the room the best idea wins mm. right so Correct. that's kind of meritocracy and it's also about like keeping your egos in check as well, yeah, right? a little bit. and giving um, prominence to the idea itself rather than who says it. Yeah. I'm pretty sure there'll be many independent artists who are watching this uh, podcast. Um, any advice that you would like to share with these artists who are trying to make it big in, in whatever they're doing? Right. I think anytime somebody asks me what you need to tell anybody who is up and coming, like I consider myself very much an up and, up and coming artist, but if I was to tell anybody the one piece of sort of learning that I can impart is that I always talk about this, but I can't stress enough, it's quality, right? Like quality is really, really important. Um, you need to take the time to figure out what the best version of your songwriting can be, what the best version of your production can be. and what the best product you can create is because we are creating products essentially that people can listen to um, so I think just pay attention to how the best uh, international artists are sort of doing it whether your sound is on any level living up to um, what is out there in the global sort of landscape um, and I feel like once you have that once you have your sound nailed everything else sort of happens like, I can't tell you why cold beer hit a million streams, but it did, right? So I just feel like if you put in the time and just make the product something, sometimes it'll just open doors for itself. Um, is it important to release music in a reasonable amount of quick succession? Meaning, like, once you release one, you try to release another without yeah. waiting for... Because that's what Costa did. He did it brilliantly where he started releasing yeah. albums pretty much every month. Yeah. At, at one point, at I least. Know, I know, yeah. And he completely blew up, you know? Yeah. And he's like on 240 some subscribers now, 40,000 yeah, that yeah, is, yeah. which is unheard of for an independent music in the single music industry, yeah. especially in the rap scene. Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on quantity? Very important right now because it's because of the way we consume content. Like mm -hmm. it's just, it's very easy to become irrelevant if you're not um, sort of 
not in people's faces, but if you're not consistently releasing. So even when we started Middle Class Rich Kids, um, a big aim was to be able to put one song a month, which is after a while it gets quite challenging, which is why even before we started work, we made sure we had maybe 15-ish songs like good to go. And that's when we even approached labels, right? We have X amount of songs and we want to release every four to five weeks. So that was the strategy that we had as well. And I think that's very important. Uh, one of the, I think, artists that get talked about a lot in that sense is uh, this um, rapper slash singer, this hip hop artist called Russ. Mm. And yeah. he did it in a way where he was putting out one song a week, which is, yeah, which is pretty crazy. Um, but it paid off, like he's, he's huge right now. Um, so it works. I think it's important to release very consistently. Yeah. Another guy who's not a musician, but has a producer who puts out that amount of content is Cole Bennett. I hope oh. I pronounced that right. Cole Bennett, who produces uh, uh, like music videos for all these uh, artists. And recently, he put out a music video for Eminem. Okay. He basically puts out a video every week. I don't know right. how he does it, man. Yeah. Like, is it, do you think they are getting help from others as well? No, no, definitely. For example, Kevin Hart has a team of comedians yeah. who help him yeah, write yeah. some of those jokes yeah. so that he can, you know, no, I, I, quicken nothing, the process. You know? Definitely, there's nothing wrong with having a team. Like, yeah. I think you need to have a team you're comfortable with. Um, in our case, it's not a team, but even having that partner helps in terms of how much more we can churn out. Mm. Um, but I think that applies to anybody making content now, not just musicians, anybody trying to make any kind of presence in the social media space need to be able to consistently put out content. It's not just, oh, wow, I made this one video and I'm done. It's never that anymore. It's even if you're particularly proud of one video, you still need to be able to have a consistent number of like, you know, content pieces just coming out. Mm. Uh, musicians are often prone to uh, controversy. What is the craziest rumor that was attached to you that you heard in social media or something? Oh, no, I'm, it doesn't I'm, happen, but somebody was yeah. saying, hey, she did this. <laughs> Honestly, nothing comes to mind. I'm pretty low-key in that sense. Right. I think is that why you're low-key? <laughs> not necessarily. I think until I started um, Middle Class Rich Kids, I was even more low-key. And only with Middle Class Rich Kids, we've sort of started building somewhat of an online um, presence. But... Uh, I don't have that problem. Right. Yet. <laughs> what is the craziest comment you've heard from a fan? The craziest? Um, if she nothing, please marry me. <laughs> no. That would be flattering, but no. Right. Um, no, I, I've heard good things yeah. in terms of like, I guess because of how honest some of these songs are, I do hear about how people have had similar experiences and then they reach out and that's always nice to hear. Okay. Um, so nothing crazy, but some good Stuff that I really want to hear. Yeah. How important are music videos in the success of a, a track? Because sometimes, it, does it give more traction when there's a music video attached to it? I think 100%. Like, that is one area that even we want to start working on this year because so far we've been trying to sort of release audio consistently and figure out how to get that going and that's been working for us. But I think we can do so much more once we start tapping into the music video space. So that's definitely going to be a big focus for us going forward. I know you touched base about this before, but let me just ask it one more time. Sure. Now, if you look at the English music scene in Sri Lanka, it's relatively small. Yeah. We have a metal community, there's a small hip-hop community and pop community, etc. Uh, however, you're one of those artists who broke out into the international scene and as a result got your, you know, your numbers as well as everything else that went along with it. What are some of the advice you would like to impart to musicians out there who are trying to make it big in English in Sri Lanka? Right. Um... I think it's a mindset thing of sort of like I mentioned this before, but it's sort of understanding that 
English music is not for Sri Lanka. Like it's, it is for Sri Lanka, but it's for everybody who speaks English, mm. which means um, you just need to make sure the caliber of music you're putting out is good enough to penetrate other international regions, right? So um, it's, you need to forget that like, okay, wow, I'm just making this for Colombo, like, because that is not going to get you very far as sad as that is to admit, because I think even starting out, that wasn't a realization for me until maybe 2017, because before that, even I was making English music, just like a lot of people here, and trying to get it on certain local radio stations and trying to figure out how can we reach X amount of people, but you're really reaching just a few thousand people in Colombo or in, in the Western province who Correct. maybe speak English. And I think it's and also the expat community as well. That's yeah. a pretty big market. Like if you if you look at the Tamil language, right? Yeah. So there's a huge expat community in Malaysia, yeah. in Canada, uh, in Western Europe, which which is one of the reasons why artists like ADK, for example, made yeah. it huge. Yeah. Um, and Mal there's a huge Malaysian rap scene as well. That there are yeah. Sri Lankans who are there yeah. who sometimes we don't even hear about. What are your thoughts on that? Okay, um, the way I see that is um, the expat scene is important. Um, maybe specifically specifically for Sinhala music. Because yeah. Sinhala is a language that is only spoken in Sri Lanka, right? Yeah. Um, so you look at our country, you're like, okay, we have 21 million people here. Maybe we have an expat community of another 20 million people. Um, I don't know, maybe a 20 million Sinhala speakers, right? Um, so when you make Sinhala music, having that additional base of another 20 million people to reach is interesting, it's cool, like whatever. But when you make English music, you don't have to be restricted by the expat community or the Sri Lankan community. You're looking at the whole world. Mm. And I think it's important to look at it like that, as opposed to just Sri Lankans, which right. unfortunately, is a, I, I see it as a challenge with Sinhala music because it's ultimately you're only reaching Sinhala speakers. Yeah, but with English, you don't have to be restricted by that. Correct. Uh, so let's uh, speak a bit about the business side of things. Um, now, going forward, where do you see middle class rich kids going towards? Are you planning to set it up as a like a record label, as per se? Are you planning to get artists under your wing? Um, just tell us a bit about that. Right. Um, middle class rich kids will always be an artist project. Um, it's it's just the two of us putting out music we like. Um, in terms of what we want to do going forward, this year we are trying to tap into the event space. Hopefully, yeah. uh, be able to DJ a little bit more, be able to play some event, play some gigs, um, which is something we haven't really ventured into. So that's interesting. Um, in terms of music videos and content, we're looking at that this year. Um, in terms of helping out other artists, I'd really like to help ourselves first, mm. in the sense that Correct. yeah, you know, you want to put yourself in the first most build your home and exactly. then you help others build their home. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, okay, I'm going to ask you a crazy question here. Do you think it's possible over the next five to ten years for middle class rich kids to host their own event? That they get other artists like say Costa, whoever, on board, but it's it, the, the main event is by middle class rich kids. Do you think there is enough potential in the market, you know, for y'all to do something like that? hundred percent. I don't think it even needs to take 10 years. Okay. Like, I think it could happen sooner I, yeah. um, because like we've never been like, li we've never at least middle class rich kids is a relatively young act. Yes. We started in the beginning of last year. Um, so we do have a lot sort of in terms of a vision. We have a lot that we are trying to work towards um, and it's we're just getting the ball rolling. So I don't want to speak ahead of, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I do think there's a lot that is possible once we really get all the balls rolling. Right. Um, on a final note, Hipshi, um, how would you want to, when it's all said and done, be remembered as Hipshi, the, the musician, as well as middle class, which case the brand, how would you want your legacy to be remembered as? Did I put you on the spot? There? Uh, not really. Let me, it's, wow. Um, 
I don't know. I think I just want to be known as somebody who just made good music um, consistently. Like, mm. even now, I think the reason people, a lot of people don't know my music yet, but the people who do get impressed by the fact that I'm consistently making good music, I like to think, or that is what people tell me. So that is something that I want to be remembered by, just that I made music consistently that touched people, hopefully. Right. All right, Hipshi, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of uh, the Entrepreneur Why podcast. Uh, just to recap, Hipshi is one of the most streamed artists, in uh, a Sri Lankan-born artist rather, right. with 3.31 million uh, Spotify views. That's crazy. And Middle Class Rich Kids has 1.6 million streams as well. Uh, so you guys need to subscribe to both the channels and uh, make sure that you follow his music because it's pretty cool. Um, I'll catch you again on another episode of Entrepreneur Vibe Podcast. Until then, this is Abad Fazan signing off on behalf of EW. I'll see you all soon.